How's it going? So there's a thing that I've been thinking about a lot, and it's threading. Probably I've mentioned half this stuff in previous episodes, but it's still a thing, right? So, and I think I boiled it down to one interesting thing, question. So the thing is, you're a software engineer on a team. You're doing some stuff. You're working on a ticket. The ticket ties up into an epic or project. That project ties up into some larger project or goal or OKR, right? Somebody somebody somewhere thinks that's a good thing to do and you understand why it's a good thing to do. And so you're happy, you're a happy engineer, right? And then your manager comes and either checks checks the sprint board or checks with you, like, how's that thing going? Is it, you think it's, you think it's going well? Is it going on time? Are we good? Whatever. And they start introducing this concept of like meeting a deadline and having time involved. And that's okay as long as it doesn't impact the engineer too much. It's like, okay, yeah, we, we nobody knows how long stuff is going to take, right? That's fine. Um, then they, they take that and they go to a sort of scrum a scrum or manager's meeting where their manager is asking for reports on the high level epic or project, right? To say, is it green? Is it red? Like, how's it going? This is This is the part where it starts to not make a lot of sense to me starts to get a little bit fuzzy, right? So those projects and goals tie up into high-level OKRs for the uh, domain or business area. So that, so, so your manager's manager then takes that data and ties it to the progress on those OKRs and the, pro- and the breakdown, because that project is probably in some spreadsheet tied to, you know, laddering up into some OKR. Okay, so then, so then they go to their scrum of scrum things and go to their manager, right? Your skip, skip, skip level, and 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 report red, green progress, whatever to them, and and this goes up and up and up, and as and the higher it goes, the less it makes sense to me as of why the hell are you doing this? For a couple of reasons, and, and one, it's an extremely costly exercise. This is like weekly meetings of people reporting status on things when at at the fundamental root level we don't know how long it's going to take and the focus this intense focus on the project and how it's going and whether it's going to meet some arbitrary deadline or not versus the what I think people should be focusing on is are we increasing value to the customer was our hypothesis about our OKR and projects correct or not like we should expect most things to fail and and so why are we focused so hyper focused on are we getting it done versus are we providing value cuz i could also very easily pivot this project so anyway all of this all of this in my head is boiling down to like these few maybe one or two questions one is like if you are that skip 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 level person why do you care what are you doing with this information the only thing you can do in my mind is like reorg or like divert resource like is that really what you're gonna do because the the main reason i get when i ask people why do you need this they say well because because i need to report it up to my manager like okay why do they need it (laughs) oh so they can report it up to their manager okay (laughs) what are you what are we doing (laughs) why does this matter to what end so i think the i have a couple of reactions the first one really is for folks who are in layered organizations, it can be really easy to get lost in those layers. 
And so the question that I try to ask myself is what's the value that I'm adding by the things that I'm doing? And the reason I like that exercise for myself is that sometimes the thing that is expected of me is not the value that I want to provide. There's some potentially some value for it, but it's just not the thing that I want to do. So the question is, what's my expertise? What's the thing that I'm building into? How am I pushing myself? And does it align, you know, with the day-to-day? Some of what you're talking about sounds a little bit like overhead, but the other, and sometimes some overhead is okay. But I think the other side to it is there's there's a different skill set and there's a different like um, yeah there's just different skill sets and different jobs. So I uh, for a while worked without any project support. We had engineering, we had uh, product. There was no project, and didn't know what that was. Uh, wasn't aware of what they did on a certain day. But then I worked at Event Farm, and Pablo, if you're out there, Pablo was my the, the first um, project manager that I, I'd ever worked with. And I was just completely blown away by the skill and value that Pablo was, Pablo was able to add every single day. He, he was the glue that got me out of basically every meeting in my entire life. You would coordinate and juggle the different projects, figure out what was on track. And it was one person, right? Just like one person in the org who knew how to basically get everyone else focused on other things, right? Like getting focused on the right thing is really what it was. Like he would he would disintermediate, he would, you know, figure out if I needed to be on a different project or whatever it was. And I think the the thing for me was, oh, software engineers think that they're smart a lot of, we're smart that's that's fine but smart at one thing doesn't mean you're smart at every other thing and i think sometimes not seeing that as a skill blinds us to what it is we need to learn right and so i i, I see the same pattern dan in the sense of like a lot of engineers who think project or program is just not basically doubting the fact that there can be skill in it means that we never learn those skills, which means that we do it poorly. <laughs> and, you know, I, yeah. Can you say more about the impact that a good project manager has? Cause that's, I, I think is where the gap is that I don't think anybody above my direct manager has ever had any impact on any of the work that I've done. Yeah. And of course that's not true because they reorg and they like push OKRs, which downstream sort of influence my idea of what's, priority but like not it doesn't feel like it's the same as the way that you're describing yeah i mean so so pablo on a daily basis would come in and say look there's this much money on the table on this option there's this this much money on the table with that option and i hate to make you do too, too many different things so between those different factors um i'm sorry but like just put a pause on that thing we really need you over here or um you're right. I hear you. I'm going to go push back and, and find some other way to like readjust the projects. And so it was, it was, it wasn't just in his head. He would put it like in, in Jira and, and other, you know, mechanisms, but it, um, it, for me, it was the fact that that was a dedicated role that like, that was his job 
all day, every day. And it was, he was having conversations with the business, with customers, even with product, with engineering and, and so on. Now it's, it's not that. So I, I think the, the big thing was having per, someone with that skill I had never seen before. And I think a lot of people haven't, right. Um, I, I've talked to folks who have had bad experiences with project and with program. And sometimes, you know, the, people can get lost in what they're supposed to do as opposed to what they should do. Yeah. Um, I had a similar experience working at a startup and it was a three person thing. And, and the CEO slash PM had also this kind of impact where it's like, Hey, listen, I want you to understand. I want to help you understand the market and what we're adding to the value of the product and why we need to get it by this time and what the risk is if we don't. And how do we like figure out the simplest path to get there and get the return, like validate that what we're doing is, is right. And then move on. Right. We don't necessarily need to dwell on stuff that is necessarily interesting for engineers to solve. We don't care about them unless they add value. And like this kind of like feedback loop, this discussion, like, Hey, what are you blocked with? Like, why is it a problem? Help me understand this. Let's go find another way to get the same value. That's easier. You know, that kind of feedback loop was phenomenal. Yeah, I feel like that's that that happens so frequently. And I do agree that like, stay in your lane sort of thing, like engineers know engineering and not, they're not specialized in project or, or, or product management necessarily. But a lot of times engineers have are the only ones with the knowledge in engineering that can influence the product in a way that they're like, look, I see what you're trying to do here. Yep. And I see the metrics you're trying to push. Here's a here's a better way that's actually going to be a lot faster and easier for us to implement, more maintainable over time, just like better for the bottom line. And the 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 thing that I've seen a lot is like engineers will ruminate about these things internally and they don't make it to the people who need to hear it and and we end up doing well, something the engineers don't like that's suboptimal or or engineers should be able to bring those things up and a product person or a project person should be able to say no you're wrong we thought about that and here's you know five reasons why that you know let me let me just like correct that and reorient you no and i it, it makes me think of this quote that jim miller uh, repeated a couple times at wayfair uh, which is essentially like if you're in a leadership position listening is a key part of your job right and so dan to your point like it's possible that the engineer doesn't say it because they're nervous or whatnot but like if if your job as a leader is to listen and you're not hearing anything you should ask why am i not hearing anything <laughs> you know you should be able yeah. to be proactive and you know yeah yeah, one reason I can imagine why people don't speak up when they're in this world is like, number one, they might just want to work on a problem that doesn't necessarily have impact, right? Like, and I, I kind of like have bounced back and forth on this a few times in my career. It's like one is like, okay, if, if I were to just like understand this part of this like hard problem, maybe it'll come back. Like once it's understood, maybe it'll like have some downstream effects like, oh, because if we're going to change the roadmap, dramatically because like we don't have experience in this kind of thing and we just like somehow invest a little bit and get experience here maybe that's good right like always go ahead i want to recast that a little bit i think like what you're saying is the engineer has a hypothesis right and they want to be able to test that hypothesis and that's that's a drastically different thing to say that i'm just playing around and you know 
whatever i'm in my coloring books like that's not <laughs> that's not the same thing <laughs> yeah it's like depending how much trust you have with the right. like with the, with the org like it's it's like okay will this investment maybe have a potential outcome that's good like if, and if there's no trust then there's no even investment right no, no. So, yeah. so how do you but, get in the place of investment yeah but the, the reality is it goes even deeper that everybody's in that same boat yeah the projects that are that are proposed that are tucked under these nice little OKRs and that are like signed off on by my boss's 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 boss, at the root of it, those are also just hypotheses yes. that they're expecting that might push some business value metrics, right? So like my going back to like why are people hyper focused on red green of a project? If I if I was you know again I'm getting out of my lane here and I might be completely off with this. But if I was in that position, from my point of view, I'd say, are teams shipping? Are they functional and healthy and doing well? Cool. Check. <laughs> Second, are, are, are they focused on things that are going to push the metrics that I care about? I don't care what those projects are. I don't care what the status of them are. I care, are we, are we going to get our metrics to where I want them in the time frame? Right? Under that, there, there could be a thousand hypotheses and people pushing priority and negotiating, figuring stuff out. I don't care. Yeah. At that high level, I don't care. Do what you need to do to get the metrics where they need to be and to provide value to the business. I trust that everybody's working at this company to to push the company forward, right? Well, the question, I, I, like ideally, that's where I want to be, and I don't care when a project gets right. done because I, I care more about if that was the right thing or not and testing that hypothesis and then iterating and figuring out if it was or not and then pivoting, right? We start, we, there's this like air of like, ah, these five people got in a room and they decided these are the things. And so that's definitely the things we need to do. And right. so now all we have to worry about is getting those things done and they're immutable static items to be checked off a list. You know, I think one of, one of the challenges here, right? So as, as you, for folks who move up in an organization, right? there's fundamentally just more data, right? Like there's just more things happening. There's more, you know, different threads that need to be tracked. What always, what's, what, I'm not gonna say always, what often happens, right? Is that the, the job turns into, well, I just need to like process more data. I just need to work harder. And that's why I have the job that I have. And I think the reality is you could process and intake all of that data and do nothing with it. That was a waste of time. Right. Like, so the question is not what data do you need, but like, what decisions do you want to be able to make and having a map, of like, what are the, what are the things that I'm going to do? What's the value that I'm adding with that data that can then drive yeah. what data you collect. And really at the end of the day, if there's all this data about what's red and green, am I going to do anything if it's red or green? Exactly. Like, like, if if the is answer what, is no, is... don't do it. Like, just don't. Yeah. If, 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 if all this information bubbles up to you and you have, nothing you can do about it right then why did you waste all everybody's time every week an hour meeting with these high level people very well paid you know how costly this whole process exactly. is of bubbling up status of projects why why are you doing this and here's here's the other question that i thought of this is like a shower thought question that i was like this really gets to the heart of it how does my boss's boss's boss know when to really celebrate something big how do they know Versus, versus, oh, we got a project done, so we're going to celebrate that. Like, okay, it's not an agreement. Project failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, is the most important thing here data, or is the most important thing here 
trust, right? My, my, like what I'm getting at is like, yes. I think that engineers are sometimes like, if you don't have trust, they're afraid to say what they don't know because they feel like it will be maybe just misinterpreted, but the same is probably true for the other side. Like PMs like might, might be afraid to be like, Hey, we don't know if this is a valid hypothesis or like, you know, we don't, we don't know the outcome of this, of this hypothesis. So we're going to just pretend like this is the, the, the thing that will save us all. Right. Well, if, if they can't like communicate properly and like be, you know, having like a collaboration about like, how do we get to the place that we want to get? What is like data is not going to help. I don't think hundred percent. No, I, I think that's exactly right. I, like without trust, you can't have people work independently. Right. Like that's just never going to happen. And so uh, that, so lacking trust leads to that like micromanaging thing too, where it's like, I know, you know, move this pixel over here. It's like, yeah, get out of my way. You're not actually helping me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then the question becomes, so like, you know, orienting in the view of, I can, I can only change myself and my own team and how I work. Um, it, you really could put all of this on the engineers. You could put the you could put the onus of this problem on the engineers, be, and you could look at the bosses, bosses, boss asking for red green updates as a reaction to the lack of upward communication that's in a in a professional, well thought out, like comprehensive way. Because I think so. Let's imagine a world where an engineer has a uh, project and they're like, oh, I have an idea for a pivot on this thing. I um, I think we should go in this other direction. This is this is a higher priority. And they do a very thorough business write up that makes a lot of sense. They work with their PM or whatever, um, and then they they bubble this up the chain. What so then so then there's that's then the real test. Then it's like okay, if we're getting that from the engineers, yeah. then. Have then, them look at Jira. Like, don't do all that thing. Just have them look at the board. right, right, yeah. Then you then you either get the bosses, bosses, boss saying, "No, we already have these OKRs." But like, I don't think that would ever happen. I think I think the reaction to that would be, "This is amazing. Yes, we're pivoting immediately. Like, this is great, and this is exactly what we want." And then then you start to build the trust. Then you're like, "Oh, we we can actually trust our engineers to call stuff out, and they're really thinking and using their heads, and not just taking things at face value." And like. And being and, and being thorough and professional and using data and writing up these you know documents and things. I don't know. Maybe that's a world. I had an experience at Wayfair uh, where where I joined a team and we were like iterating on like what we should do and all that stuff. And then a PM like said to me, "Hey Ref, I'm realizing it's not about like can we do this. It's about like what should we do." Yeah. And like, cause he was always asking like, Hey, do you think this is possible? Do you think we can like, I was like, sure. Like what, like, of course, like anything's possible. Right. So what's the, what do you want to do? <laughs> and then he was like, so I think a, a lot of times it's like, Hey, maybe PMs don't trust that the engineers can even do what they think they should do. Well, so, so, you know, I think there, there's parts of what you're saying there. There's different roles, and I think one of the things that you're talking about, Raf, is about accountability and figuring out what people are accountable for what. And there's this like racy word that shows up, and I think racy is kind of like the thing that it's like the tool that no one likes that comes in when there are problems and whatever. 
for me, race, it can be fine, but I think like accountable and just, just stick to accountability. What are you accountable for? What's the thing that you're going to do? What's the, th- what's the decision that you're going to make? What's the data that you need in order to do that? Right. And so this whole thing of like bubbling up all the information, that makes no sense. As you go up, you got to pare it down. You have to like reduce that to a signal that drives towards, that informs the thing that we need. Right. And so like, I will say as part of this process, finding what it is that your boss and your boss's boss's boss cares about allows you to filter and condense, right? And like set up the data so that you can get people the right information. And and that is a skill too. But like, don't just say everything and just, you know, so point being, it's, it's, it's a two-way street in the sense that like, the the person who is in the, the leadership role needs to know how to generate the right data. The right data is not all the data, right? And then the people who are then providing that data need to know what to keep and what not to, right? And that's challenging too. It's easy to miss stuff. But then how do you overcome the idea where like, let's say you're a PM, and you're trying to like, you have the feeling that, hey, if I put my, if I stress out my engineers too much, yeah, they're going to feel like I am a bad PM, right? Like, and, and how do we like let folks know like, hey, sometimes giving us a problem that we can fail is good. So one of the things that you're touching on there, Raf, is like product manager as the parental unit of the engineering organization, which is to me has never been a healthy, like I haven't seen that be healthy. Um, when I think about where product is, the way that I think about it, or, a lot of people think it's not just me. I don't come up with this, right? So it's like the inter- product essentially sits at UX, the business, and engineering. Like those three things, they're at the center. A lot of orgs have, well, I don't know about a lot of orgs, but some orgs have different interpretations of what each role means, right? And some of that is fine. But then, it, like, just because the org says that this is this has this shape, I think one of the challenges is okay. What's the value that each person's adding? Right? Is this helpful? What could be more helpful than the thing that we're doing? Right? Being being essentially like, um, I don't know. I don't even know a good way to say it, but like a disapproving parental unit. I, I don't know. That doesn't sound fun, right? It doesn't sound good. What do you think about? Let's say okay, you have UX, you have you have PM, you have product, you have uh, uh, you have uh, engineers. Do you feel like it's possible to have a well-oiled machine with three of these units that only know their lane? They don't know anything, not even the slightest about something something else their lane. Or do you think it's like required to like know a little bit? Like an engineer maybe should know a little bit about UX, a little bit about product. Probably should know a little bit about engineering, a little bit about UX, like. I think you're. I mean, it's possible. It depends on your definition of well-oiled. Yeah, because you could waterfall stuff. Product has an idea. They pass it to UX. They make a mock. They pass the mock to engineers, and engineers build the thing. So I think it's it's the passing, which is the communication channel. So the way I would attack that ref is like look, inspect the communication channels, right? That need to happen in order to like whatever, and then you can kind of go up from first principles. So, yeah, My favorite that. communication is UX printed out on a on a 
glossy piece of paper and they hide it under a fake rock in an undisclosed location. The engineer goes and picks it up and builds that thing. Yep. I don't want to know who it is. I don't want to know my PM or my UX person. I just want to mock. <laughs> yep. No, and I, I think like that's, you know, here's the other challenge, right? Is that like, you you want that, but then your teammate wants something else, and they want to have coffee or whatnot, right? And so this is this is where life can get complicated. And so maybe that person that really wants a coffee can't get a coffee, and they just have to get over it, right? And like you know, and some of this is smoothed out by management. But point being, whenever you have any kind of um, division, there is a surface right that connects those divisions, and like that could be yeah. bumpy, it could be smooth, you know. I, I would say I have, I have an interesting situation near me where I have a I have an engineer who used to be a PM and I have a PM near me who used to be an engineer. Um, and it's really cool working with these folks because they all the time bring up their past experience as the other role all the time. And it's so helpful. And um, the main the main thing is definitely if, if you do have a waterfall ish process, it's all about the handoff. And I have noticed the more you can cross the back. The more the product person understands the system design, the better they're going to be by far in coming up with the right thing to do. The more the UX, same with the, the UX person, and the, and the more the engineers think critically and take ownership over the product, the better they're going to be able to, to, to like pivot quickly. So like the, the, the big thing that I've seen, I saw it literally two weeks ago, and I also saw it like 15 years ago when I started software engineering, the same thing happened where there was a mock, there was a project, we built the project, we go and uh, go to, to deploy and we review with the business and they say, no, 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 no that's not what we want. <laughs> How is this still a thing? How have we not solved it? Well, so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up Isaac Asimov and his foundation series at this point. Cause like I, he, I think everyone kind of loves the first books and I saw a lot of people hating the end books. Um, and so there's, oh boy, I guess spoilers or whatnot. Anyway, I will speak as generically as possible to <clears throat> avoid people's disappointment. Essentially the, the end book, I think it's a bad rap, but I think it's genius. And the idea really is that there's this planet, it's called Gaia. And the, the visualization essentially is like the, the Gaia thing is that like, it's one organism or is it right? And so it's a whole planet and they have all these different organisms inside, but are the organisms suborganisms or are they the same? Like, are they part of the whole? Right. And so my whole point with that is at the end of the day, what we have in software is something that a single person can do. That's the Gaia, right? There are different implementations to get to the same thing, to get, to eventually get to the same output. Right. But like within that, there are different internal processes that we can shift around and move. But at the end of the day, we have to look a little bit, we have to be able to zoom out and say like, did the right thing happen? Did we get the right, the output that we desired? And from that, we can evaluate whether we need to like rework the machine. Mm -hmm. So communication, right? That's the thing that like allows one human uh, divider to like connect to another, <laughs> you know, basically the human separation thing is joined by communication. So that's important. Um, 
there's also non-communication and that that one person does all the little things inside right they they like assume that you don't have to you can talk to yourself that's a possibility but you don't have to <laughs> if there's one person and i think that's a challenge right it's like knowing what's what's the mental model what's the connective tissue that we're missing how do we scale that up and how do we make sure that people are happy and doing the things that they you know that needs to get done i think what's what's often easy to miss too right is that like without evaluating what the value is that each individual node is providing, things can get lost too, right? And we all don't have to be working at 100% all the time. But it can be the case that like, without an eye on things, it's this frog boiling situation. No one no one comes to work and say, I want to be useless. But I think over time, it could be hard to make sure that you're, you're um, doing the right things and that like, you know, you can fit into another organism right so you you mentioned like happiness so uh, let me let me make one one point i'll come back to this which is like we talked earlier about the you know should you be like separated like each function separated from the others like not know anything about them my, my hypothesis is if you have strong communication across these very like boundaries eventually folks will learn about the other functions and so like if you're if you have a, if you have like a like a org and each of these functions don't have any understanding of the other, then that's like a sign that like the communication lines are not good. Like if just being around them, talking to them, you'll learn, right? Uh, and back to the happiness thing, I do think that is a like really, really good metric here. Like, hap- like are people happy? Because like, that says so many things. Like, are they engaged, right? Are they, like, do they think what they're working on has value? Do they like form relationships with other people? All these things contribute to happiness. Yeah. So I think happiness maybe. Is like is like we talk about data as a metric. We like is like what's the thing with maybe trust, but maybe happiness is another thing. It always comes back to people. I think I think that there's this this thing where people will very you know easily discount the value of a well gelled team. So like leadership thinking about reorgs, they 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 underestimate the immense monetary and time value of pulling a person off a team, even just pulling one person off a team, you've changed that team. You've, you've degelled that team, right? And if, if you're a product person on an engineering team, the, they often very deeply discount the value of like, you, you know, you do, you do a, um, a parking lot after a standup and it get, starts getting pretty technical. Does your PM stay or not? Just that, just if, if they're, if they're hanging out, showing interest, asking questions, inputting in the, con- you know, just being a part of the team. That's, that's, that's really where it's at. I think for me is like, do you feel like an equal or are you, or, or does it, does it feel like you're uh, some kind of overlord or like, you know, yeah. above the system or outside of this? Are you on the team or are you not on the team? Are you going to be a part of this team? Are you going to be a part of this thing? Are we, are we working together? Are we gelling or not? And, and once you have a really good gelled team and if you've worked on that sort of team, it's like that the rest of your career, you're just fighting to get back to that place because it, it's just so, so yeah. much smoother, so much better. And product, I, I would say, would sometimes the best decision for them is to say, okay, I know in my head, I think this other thing is the top and best priority, but the team seems really excited about this other thing. So we're going to knock that out first. And that, that you have to do, you have to monitor your own, uh, head and do the equation based on the momentum and happiness of the 
and the feelings of the people on the team. And you, and the, in the long run, the calculation is going to show you get way more done, even if you're half the time focusing on the quote unquote wrong or not highest priority things, because you get those exponential value bursts from people learning outside of their zone or being d doing something that they're really interested in. And, you know, you get these random times when people work through the night without being asked, right? Like you get all these crazy wins when you have a good, well functioning gelled team. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the things that I think about in the space is it's challenging to have it's okay. My genius insight. It's challenging to have challenging conversations, but the point is a lot of folks don't have those challenging conversations because of that, right? Well, so <laughs> no, awesome, yeah, right? So, exactly. Uh, like, point is, we had a meeting. One person thinks it's great. The other person didn't know what value they were adding by being in there, right? And so, it, killing a meeting can be cutting off communication. Can be about respect, right? And so, if you do it in a way, I can say. I'm not joining this meeting because I don't trust that it's a good value, whatever, good use of my time. But then that statement can be like, I don't trust you. It could be translated as I don't trust you. Right. And it's like, well, that's a different thing. I think the, but, but holding each other accountable, right. Means look, I'm here. I know a bunch of stuff. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Tell me what you want me to do. <laughs> as a separate human organism and like i will then ask for the information that makes me do that job and i think that in itself is an uncomfortable conversation that like you know um so because there's friction in that the other side to it is communication can take a lot of different forms if we're saying about communication being the boundary between different humans that can be a mock right you don't necessarily have to talk about it you can but there are other there are other ways to communicate than just like you know speaking or shouting at each other. Yeah, but th this is why that like um, getting to know the personalities on your team is so important right. because you'll know when the right time is to be like, "Yep, here's a mock," or when the right time is to be like, "All right, we need to call a brainstorm so that we can all get our ideas out on the table and then." filter down like there there are there's no one answer right there's no method there's no process you can follow you just have to like get to know people and and use your intuition i think intuition is a kind of a bad word in science and data driven and engineering orgs but intuition is like mostly a extremely powerful shortcut to get to where you want to go oh in intuition i think is the word that we use when we say that we want to run ex like tiny experiments right that's really what it is. Yes. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, it, intuition does not imply that you get to the right solution. It implies that you have a new solution that you want to try, right? But I'm talking about intuition about communication totally. with you and another teammate, right? Where you're like, man, I just walked by and they have their headphones on and they're blasting music and they look a little bit. They're not saying hello to people like, okay, that person needs some space and they need to zone in on whatever they're working on. I'm not going to bring up a brand new project and try and brainstorm with them today. Mm -hmm. You know, like they're, they're like, yeah. they're like so many cues and things you can pick up uh, about, about the team that helps you navigate situations in a good way. I guess what but I'm saying is that, in, that, uh, that understanding might be wrong. And I think as long as we have that understanding, then intuition is not bad, right? I, I think part part of the 
culturally, I think part of the problem that we have with intuition is that assuming that intuition is always right. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And I think that yeah. if, if we flip the operating model of what intuition is or what we do with it, I think we can get something different. In, yeah. Intuition is often a shortcut, but in the face of data, you have to take data. <laughs> you can't, you can't fight reality with intuition. <laughs> so Dan, back to your question about like, the higher the chain of red green uh status reports yeah what if it was like uh, is your team happy like is that the red is the, if that's the red green like what do you feel about that does that does that uh does it have a better outcome because the, the reason why i'm uh, let me defend it a little bit which is like hey i'm not happy because my team doesn't think what they're working on will add value right if that if that like communication happens is that what you want or is there something else I think that's one part of it. If, if I translate happy to mean like team health. And I think you don't even need to ask people. You can just track like the golden four and you could pretty much know if a team is healthy and happy and like producing, you know, pushing code. That's like a pretty damn good proxy. But other than that, I like, I would love if my boss's boss's boss had a good relationship of trust with their reports where they would be able to ask and be able to know honestly how is the team doing like is it functioning well is this working are we are we building stuff are we shipping frequently are we learning are we growing do we need more people how how do people really feel about outsourcing to india you know like mm -hmm. that kind of stuff um that would be one part of it and then the other side of it would be tracking the actual business value metrics that the part that the branch of the org is meant to provide so like at the end of the day, you're not worth the salary that I'm paying if you're not making the company money by providing these XYZ business, you know, the purpose of the product. Are you, are you fulfilling the purpose of the product and augmenting it and making it better? And like, and, and look at those stats. Those stats are influenced one way or another by projects. I don't expect any given hypothesis. I interchange project with hypothesis. So I don't expect any hypothesis to necessarily push it up or down. In aggregate, I expect that we're going to go up. So, so my caring about the red green of one hypothesis doesn't matter because if that was the wrong thing to work on, you don't know if it's the right thing to work on until it's in prod and then you look at the business value metrics. Then you can say, oh, okay, we, we, we took a wrong turn there. Cool. But, but I would expect the, the focus on was that the right thing or not to be more at the team level? I, I think you can, I think you can focus some of this into how can I help, <laughs> right? So point being, I think the happiness as a float or a Boolean might have some signal. I think the more useful thing is like, what, what do you want me to do in order to like make people more happy, right? Like how, how, like what part of the golden four are we missing? So golden four is part of this accelerate book. It was like, um, engineering things that you can measure, essentially like how, how often you're releasing and all that kind of stuff. Like, um, it, it's a heuristic. I think there are a lot of heuristics, but really like I person, I, as a person in a leadership position, am asking for this information and then for what purpose? Like, how am I going to use that information to do anything to help, right? 
and I, I think that's it's easy to miss and I think but I think there's there's a lot of different tools out there too right so point being one of the tools is to scare people a little bit another tool is to um, you know get them excited and I think knowing what people need results in that nuance but you got to find a way to get there right as opposed to you know right raw data can be data that's like basically irrelevant to the actions that we take so you know if you think of that the the star method right the situation task action and result or sometimes they turn it to sar but like the point is like what'd you do like the action was in there like what action did you take and what was the result from that thing um I think if you can like kind of pre-mortem that, then you're going to do the right thing. But 